0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Today I want to talk to you about your spiritual gifts. If you're like most people, you don't give a whole lot of thought to what gifts you possess and how to make the best of them. To the degree that we think about the personal gifts that we possess, it's about the ones from which we can benefit in our professional or personal lives. You may be a gifted carpenter or entrepreneur, artist or singer, But I want us to think about our spiritual gifts that we hear about in the New Testament. So let's start off by reading what the Apostle Paul has to say about spiritual gifts in his letter to the Corinthians. Let me set you up with a little bit of context. Paul is writing to the new community of Christ followers that he had established in the ancient Mediterranean city of Corinth. The church, if you can even call it that at this point, is in its infancy. Jesus' death and resurrection had only happened a few years prior. These communities of faith were making it up from scratch. There were no guidebooks as to what it would mean to live together as followers of Christ. It's hard enough today for people to live together in church communities, even though we've had over 2,000 years to figure it out. Consequently, Paul hears that things are not going well in Corinth, He writes, It's been reported to me that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. In this letter, he writes in response to these reports, and he talks about the presence of spiritual gifts that the members of this community possess, and if they use them correctly, would lead to unity. We read, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Here ends the reading. The translation, spiritual gifts, could could mislead us. It's more accurate to say, those gifts which the Spirit offers us. The gifts that Paul will illuminate just don't have to do with esoteric or interior spiritual practices. Paul is talking about how our gifts are used in a real-world communal setting. They are to be used, he says, for the common good. These gifts are related to varieties of services which we perform in the world. Spiritual gifts are not concerned about how we live in our heads, but how we live in the world. Now, these gifts are not allocated evenly. Some people have more of one than the other. Let me use a sports analogy. At the professional level in baseball, all players specialize. Some specialize in hitting and are put in the lineup where that skill can be most effectively used. It takes a special body build to be a catcher, a person who can squat down for hours at a time, shake off balls to the face, and have a rocket arm that can unleash a pickoff throw to second base in an instant. Shortstops need to be fast to cover a large area to keep balls from being hit through the, in, through the infield. And pitchers are the most specialized at all. Few human beings can hurl a baseball at near 100 miles an hour. To show how rare it is for a baseball player to excel in multiple areas, Japanese pitcher slash designated hitter Shohei Otani recently signed a $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Otani is that rare person who can not only throw the ball at 100 miles per hour, he can also hit one at that speed but that's very rare. Baseball teams draft players so that they have the correct balance of skill players on the team. Although pitchers are in the most valued position, a team can't put all of its resources into recruiting these healers. They also need catchers, infielders, outfielders, some of whom also need to be able to hit the ball. Baseball is a team sport. Paul observed the same thing about the church. Church is a team sport. Our communities of faith are team sports. The way Paul described it was one body with many members working together. Another important thing about these gifts is that the Holy Spirit gives them to us. We can't claim credit for our depth of faith, our wisdom, or our ability to heal, for example. In familiar words, we would say that they are God-given abilities. And the fact that they are gifts means that we shouldn't brag about these abilities. We should give thanks for them. Also implied is that we have a responsibility to use them, as Paul says, for the common good. Before we start thinking about assessing our gifts and how we should use them, let's look at a few of them. I'm actually going to start with two The utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge. Now, I assume Paul says utterance because wisdom and knowledge are both worthless if they stay within the confines of our bony skulls. They're just neurons firing in our brains. Wisdom and knowledge, while related, are unique. A person can be wise without a lot of knowledge and have lots of knowledge and not be wise at all. Knowledge and wisdom are two different concepts that we often confuse. Knowledge is about facts, information, and skills that we acquire through learning. Wisdom is a composite of experience, knowledge, and good judgment, and the ability to apply them in real-life situations. Now, Wisdom is extremely important in the Old Testament. The books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon are collectively known as the Wisdom Writings. The book of Proverbs, in particular, talks a lot about wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13-14 reads, Happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that gets understanding. For the gaining of it is better than gaining of silver, and the profit thereof than fine gold. King Solomon, the Bible, is often used as a model for a wise person. His wisdom is exemplified by his judgment between two women who claim to be the mother of the same child. Solomon ordered the baby to be cut in half, with each woman receiving one half. The first woman accepts the compromise as fair, but the second begs Solomon to give the baby to her rival, preferring the baby to live even without her. Solomon, of course, ordered the baby to be given to the second woman, as her love was selfish, selfless, as opposed to the first woman's selfish disregard for the baby's actual well-being. In this case, the facts that were presented to Solomon and the laws by which he governed were inadequate to make a just decision. Solomon relied on the gift of wisdom, drawing together his experience, good judgment, and plain old common sense to achieve the right result. Now, the gift of knowledge is more limited in scope than wisdom. In our family, we faithfully watch Jeopardy! every night. The winners of that show are amazing. They exhibit knowledge in a vast range of fields, from geography to pop music to science to arts and literature and a thousand other categories. It seems as though they have an impossible amount of stuff stuffed into their heads. What's the largest freshwater lake in the world by volume of water? Don't feel bad if you don't know it, that it's Lake Baikal in Russia. If my life were on the line, however, I would much rather be in the hands of a physician who had extensive clinical experience and good judgment than the one who had memorized the most facts in medical school. In our communal life, whether it's at work, in the community, or in our homes, wisdom and knowledge are both essential. Paul reminds us that both wisdom and knowledge, being gifted to us by the Holy Spirit, are ours to use for the common good. While we use them to be successful in our personal work and lives, it is beholden to us to use them to the benefit of others as well. So ask yourself, do you use the wisdom and knowledge for others, even if they aren't your main spiritual gifts? Paul also enumerates faith as a gift of the Spirit. To be clear, all of us have received the gift of faith to some degree. Otherwise, since we are saved by faith, some people's salvation would be at stake. What Paul is talking about is the gift of exemplary faith. There are some people who possess a strong and unshakable trust in God that's visible for everybody to see. I've met many people like this in my work as a pastor over the years. I remember an older woman who had suffered every kind of setback and challenge in her life that you can imagine. Her husband had left her many years before with three young children to raise. One of her children had a serious medical problem and disabilities to live with all of his life. He required her constant care and supervision. She struggled in her job to make ends meet. And then she was diagnosed with breast cancer and had to undergo undergo surgery and a long series of radiation and chemotherapy treatments. I remember visiting her in the hospital at a particularly low point in her treatment. Before I entered her room, I struggled to think of a way to encourage her and she must have sensed my discomfort, because when I approached her bed, she said, Don't be sad. And then she reached out, took my hand, closed her eyes, and started saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before with me before the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I walked into that room intending to minister to her. I walked out of that room, having been ministered to by her. That's what it means to have a gift of faith. It is to be able to build the faith of others simply by coming into their presence. Perhaps you have that gift and don't even know it. Often people with the gift of faith don't because it comes natural to them. It's been gifted to them. Never underestimate this gift in yourself. The next gift of the Spirit on Paul's list is the gift of healing. In our culture, we tend to assign the responsibility for healing to medical doctors. And we are blessed by many skilled doctors, nurses, therapists, and all kinds of medical professionals. There are many skilled doctors who are not what I would call healers, though. They can heal the body, but they can't heal the soul. And true healing is a matter of both. A couple of years ago, I had a serious surgery and was hospitalized in intensive care for two weeks. Each morning, a train of surgeon and other medical professionals on my team would visit me. Aside from one of them stepping forward to poke and prod me a bit, they lined up against the wall opposite my bed and peered at me with serious and even sometimes alarmed looks on their faces and discussed my condition among themselves. I felt sicker after they left than before they came in. I dreaded that morning ritual. What I did look forward to was my favorite night nurse, who would come and check on me when she came on her shift. She'd always come in and hold my hand for a few minutes and ask how I was feeling. But then she'd talk about how my wife and daughter were doing and share stories of her family. Sometimes she would pray, sometimes not. She never seemed in a hurry though and I knew I knew she was overworked I dreaded her days off Now that woman had the gift of healing Whether or not you have any medical training you too can be a healer You probably already are Being aware of that gift you can use it to its fullest It's a gift you can use anywhere You can use it at home When you provide loving care for a family member. You can use it at work when you show concern and compassion for someone who's ill or struggling. You can heal by your presence or you can heal using the power of prayer. And don't forget the healing power of touch. A hug or a pat on the shoulder may provide more healing than a dose of medicine. Next, are you a miracle worker? We're all familiar with the miracles and acts of divine power that Jesus performed while he walked among us. A lot of ink has been spilled and there's a lot of discussion about if these were examples of divine power or if they can be explained in natural terms. The people with whom Jesus associated knew that he was exhibiting the power of God. As Christians, we are always open to the infinite power of God in our lives and in our world. One of the reasons that we're skeptical about miracles is that most of us never experience them in our own lives. Or have we? We sometimes think of miracles in too restrictive terms. The more science learns about the universe, the more mysterious and awesome reality becomes. Just because I can't turn water into wine doesn't mean that the miraculous does not exist. Life itself is a miracle. Human love and compassion and the healing we talked about are miracles. Your existence is a miracle. Look for the little miracles as well as the big ones in your life. You may be a miracle worker. Then there is the gift of prophecy. Well, prophets don't exist today, do they? Well, they certainly do. The ancient prophets were men and women who knew the will of God And we were not afraid to share it, even when it contradicted those in power and threatened them personally, even threatened their lives. The work of the prophet was not to predict the future. It was to proclaim God's will to the world. The prophets spoke truth to power. So can you. You can speak out against injustice and unfairness whenever and wherever you see it. If you're not afraid to speak the truth, no matter what, you are a prophet. Now finally, Paul talks about the gift of discernment. Discerning the truth is getting more and more difficult. Artificial intelligence and deep fakes that are possible by manipulating media make it so that we don't know what the truth is anymore lots of times. Who is speaking, speaking for God? Who is the real prophet? And who is speaking for their own benefit? or even for evil. How can you tell? Well, that's where the gift of discernment comes in. Jesus said he would send the spirit of truth among us, and the truth would set us free. God gives us the ability to see through lies and deception. If we look for the love of Jesus in any situation, we will be led to the truth, and we will be free indeed. Some of us possess that ability more than others, and we should use that gift to set others free indeed, instead of adding to the noise and the lies that compete for attention. So remember, there are a variety of gifts, and God has allotted them to us. Examine your own life and see which of these gifts you possess, and use it to your fullest ability be part of the one body of Christ and an active member in it. In the end, Paul says that really there are three gifts that are most important, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Use the gift of love in your life and the other gifts will follow. There is no better place to start than that. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God gift you with faith, hope, and love, and give you peace.